Hello, and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, we got Ty Lee. Jameson is on his honeymoon. Uh, the wedding went great, I would say. What, what do you think? What do you think, Ty? What, what, if you had to do a, re- a review of Jameson's <laughs> wedding, where, where, where would you rate it? What, what would you rate it? Is it good? It was very good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was definitely, definitely very, very good. fun. Yeah, great time. Oh, was, was it better than yours? I, I don't know. Was it better than mine? I don't know. It's a top three like, Scooter Pod wedding for sure. To say yeah, it's, it's in the top three. It's <laughs> so it's in the top three. Great stuff. But uh, look, we're, we're here to talk about. Um, so like the last time we talked, our biggest thing was uh, talking about the OU SEC move, potentially getting de- um, not delayed, but staying with the original plan of uh, 2025. It was almost immediately fixed. Um, because a day later, uh, OU in Texas announced with the SEC and the Big 12 that they would be leaving in 2024. Um, so July 1st, 2024, we have an official date signed, sealed, delivered. Um, which meant that most of that podcast did, you know, was kind of for nothing, but it's okay because, uh, it's done. We're, we're finally done. No, no more speculation, Ty. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's good. It obviously, like you said, the podcast did not was not as evergreen as we had hoped. But if you go back and listen, or if you have listened to that one, if you haven't, it's probably not worth going back and listening. But the the tone was very uh, disappointed, I suppose, when we sort of found out that the the prevailing narrative was going to be that we were going to remain. So overwhelmingly positive i believe for ou and for texas as well and for at least one of the conferences going forward that we have have wrapped this and we now have a firm set in stone more or less uh, departure date and then landing date over at the sec and i just want to reiterate that for me personally i am i'm glad that we get this one little one off marquee super big 12 season thing where OU gets to go play some some neat teams that we probably won't face again especially in their home stadiums uh in well who knows i mean the with the way the out of conference stuff is scheduled so far and and going uh probably the only time in our lifetimes uh in a regular season at least we'd be going who knows with the way the playoff will go but probably the only time in our lifetimes we'll get to see an OU game in in Provo Utah and then in Cincy so yeah I mean that that is something that is nice and I think it's nice that it's just a one-off I think if we had to sit through two of them it'd be a little (laughs) annoying but you know it's the first time OU's ever played in Provo against BYU the first time OU has ever played at Nippert Stadium in Cincinnati they did play Cincy on the road, but that was at uh, Paul Brown Stadium. Uh, so two cool road environments OU's never played in. And then also um, getting UCF uh, to Norman for the first time in their history. The first uh, first matchup between those two schools. So on a one-off, it's kind of fun. It's, I, 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 could, I can get up for that. But um, getting closer to the SEC... All the excitement it brings, all the t- all the new teams, the new challenges. But, uh, I, I think, I think for me, that's the biggest. That's the biggest thing. That's what I'm really, really pumped about. Um, and it makes sense for the Big Twelve, honestly. Just move on um, in multiple ways. You know, just kind of start off with your new, your new schools, and then also try to expand a little bit. The Pac-12 has been in 
um, like just TV deal hell right now, as we've seen, you know, uh, but you know, I, I think it makes, makes sense for the big 12 as well. Absolutely. I mean, there, there is something to be said about just ripping the bandaid off, so to speak. Uh, we got some final details, I suppose, on how the deal was, was structured for the departure. So it looks like OU in Texas will be foregoing, uh, I believe it was about $100 million in revenue combined between the schools, about $20 million of which is going to go to Fox Networks as compensation for, I suppose, lost revenue over a year for, I believe it was seven games that they had in their contracts for, for hosting between both universities. And then out of, out of the remaining money, I think the the figure I heard was something around 10 million or so a piece to, uh, I suppose the original big 12 schools, not the, the new incoming schools as compensation for them as well. So it, it ended up being a positive, obviously the, for the network, I guess if the network was just after a, a, a little cash infusion and a, a $10 million cash infusion uh, definitely doesn't hurt some of these programs within the big 12. And I'm not trying to talk, talk crap on them, but some of the smaller, smaller universities that 10 million is a, a nice little bump. And like we talked about uh, in the last pod, when we discussed this, the schedule that the big 12 has for next year, some of these schools got to get their last laugh, on us and then get their little payday as we leave town. So, yeah. And it, the payday could have been worse um, in the contract and um, the big 12, you know, grant of rights contract and all that. Um, it would have been a little bit higher about, about half as much higher. Um, so OU and Texas were, nego- were able to negotiate that down to just 50 per, which like you said, that, that that's a nice little windfall, especially because they're splitting the 10 team pot uh, 14 ways this year and uh, 12 the rest of the way. So that is going to be, that's a nice little parting gift for them. I think it's fine. It's not the, you know, chunk of flesh that I think a lot of um, big 12 schools thought they could get out of the two, but it's, uh, it's not bad. It's not bad. So I'm glad they were able to resolve it though. And, you know, Fox, I guess getting that (laughs) Texas Michigan game, you know, pretty quick. Good on y'all. I guess, but um no, I, I I don't know. I I think it's I think it's I think all parties are pretty happy about this one here, uh, to say the least. And I know I'm excited about the SEC uh, across the board. Uh, trying, you know, seeing new places, seeing, uh, you know, obviously the OU football, seeing the teams come in to Norman is going to be incredibly exciting. Um, but also like softball competition is going to be fun. OU basketball won't be like instantly dead. Uh, so that, so that's plus. That's a plus. Um, hey, they finally showed a bit of a bit of life earlier this week, uh, last night. Um, recording this on a Wednesday, uh, beating Kansas State at home in front of approximately uh, two hundred people, I'm sure, which makes sense because they've been uh, pretty bad recently. So, anyways, I digress. Um, we'll have a lot of stuff talking about uh, the SEC, the hype as we build closer and uh, get you know Jameson on board as well. Got a lot of lot of stuff in that uh, as we count down the days to uh, July first, two thousand twenty-four. Absolutely, and I do want to touch on real quick, Bobby, and hear your thoughts on. I know there has been some debate uh, between you, specifically, and some of our other friends about what is the benefit for OU in Texas uh, for leaving early. 
And now that we have these hard financial figures out here and we're seeing that OU is paying out $50 million and then also seeing uh, announced that we will not be collecting full revenue from the SEC. Uh, I maybe the stuff I read didn't didn't have it or it's not out there public, but it, it sounded like it was substantially lower, potentially half or lower. There might be a firm figure out there, and for some reason I just didn't see it. Uh, so it does seem like this will be a in terms of of money when you look at those two figures, just distributions from the conferences. It seems like this will be a money-losing move, at least for the first year for OU in Texas. Um, Yeah, no, I, I mean, initially, it's not going to offset it perfectly. It's not going to be a perfect offset for sure. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, I think, for sure. Um, <laughs> the comments here are great. Um, but, um, no, it, it definitely, it's not perfect. But I think leaving is more important. Uh, getting immediately into the SEC, where you can, you know, get used to that competition, um, and not only that, but let's just be honest: the amount of money generated when you have teams like Florida, you know, Alabama, Arkansas, um, even like Missouri, you know, Texas A&M coming to Norman rather than West Virginia, you know, Texas Tech, and Iowa State, like. It, that's that's a game changer. You're going to get better attendance. You're going to get better donations. Get I, I imagine donations are way up already uh, because people know that it's coming. It's coming fast. And the way to the way to get on the pardon me the way to get on that thing and the way to improve things is to uh, donate. You have to if you want to win in the SEC, you got to put up some major bucks or else you're not you're gonna fall behind the pack. And I think kind of getting to that earlier getting it more tangible, you know, that's the, the, the second that real SEC schedule, you know, you see it in print, you see it, you have real dates that, you know, this team's coming to town. That's going to be infinitely uh, exciting and will fire up this fan base. And I, I think that's, that's definitely a good thing. So yeah, on the TV side of things, definitely a bit of a hit, but on the overall scale, uh, scale and scope of things, exciting stuff. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. And look, I'll say this, any same game parlay with Shea Gilgis-Alexander for the Thunder in it is absolute money. I love this guy. He's been putting up the stats, putting up the numbers. So if you see if you see Shea out there, you best believe that that's the move. I, I love that guy. So download the app now and sign up with co promo code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See those show notes for details. Now, back to the Schooner Pod. I think you're right. I think there is still the argument to be said there, though, that all of those benefits of having these big games, the driving sort of more engagement, more people 
physically coming to the games, especially right when we started. I think the the counter argument to that would be that stuff would have all happened in 2025 as well. So it, there definitely are some, it, depending on how you frame it, I think there certainly are still some question marks. But I think when you really look at it from from OU and Texas's standpoint, you know we we didn't gain a whole lot. I think it was very much worth the the 50 million uh, hit right away to to go out and and to make the move. We weren't gaining anything by hanging around. So. Again, we got some, I think, cool benefits with one sort of super Big 12 season. Maybe we get a chance to sort of redeem ourselves and not completely run out with our tail between our legs. And I do think you're right, though. I think overall, I mean, no one is debating that overall this is the better financial decision. I mean, that $50 million hit on TV deals will be very quickly recuperated with new TV deals uh, coming down the road. And I think you mentioned a good point on, on people just being excited. I think this would be a great uh, moneymaker and, and drive for the city of Norman as well, because I expect for the first couple of years and, and on as, as we begin to see how the sec is going to be structured, they've, they've sort of, an, they haven't put anything in stone yet, but they've sort of announced over and over that they want to do away with divisions and they're just going to have one, big pool of teams. And I think that's a really neat way to do things because it gives you that flexibility season on season on season on to really look at the teams coming up in the season and create some really cool matchups, some really cool schedules. So, but I think that as we see teams, you know, the first time that they're coming to Norman, I think people will be very surprised how well they travel. And that's not at all to diminish. We have some teams within the big 12 that obviously travel super well, and come down to Norman and and make a great showing of themselves as a whole and and uh, in both their demeanor and then just how strong they travel. Uh, but I think the SEC is going to take it up a, a whole different notch. So that will be exciting, like you said, Bobby, to see all of those fan bases coming into town. There are some fan bases maybe not so excited to see uh, coming into town as well. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that that adjustment works because they, the way Saturdays in the South are handled in the sec. OU's not there yet. We're not ready yet. Um, we don't, we don't go as hard as they do with tailgates. We need to step that up. Um, you know, I think OU travels great. I think traveling isn't the issue on OU's end, but in terms of being a host, they need to step it up a little bit. Um, but you know, that hope, the best way to do that is just through, you know, I think going to other places and taking ideas and taking inspiration from how they do it and then applying it to your campus, your uh, side of things. Um, but, you know, we, and we've talked about the whole tailgating situation and how to improve that and all that, like ad nauseum, or maybe not ad nauseum, but a lot, you know, we, we have usually like a pot a year about it, but um, it, it's, it's going to be something that, that, that uh, OU and Norman need need to step up, but I think they can do it. I think they can. I think they can improve. There's a lot of room for growth. You just kind of have to, I don't know, have to adapt a little bit. Yeah, I will say I, I don't know that OU is necessarily that far behind. I think if you really looked at the SEC as a whole, I think you could make a very fair argument that even just looking at oh tailgate atmosphere or or party atmosphere, game day atmosphere, whatever you want to term it as. I think you can make a pretty fair argument that they are maybe pretty top heavy in that respect as well, because I think you could 
you could start to rattle off uh, plenty of schools that have cool atmospheres, but I, I don't know if you could objectively say that they're doing a whole lot necessarily that much better than OU. I, I do also want to say, just to sort of stir the pot a little bit, start our, our shit talking before we go in there, <laughs> there is also an aspect of some of these places, it's just the only thing that they have to to hang on to, and maybe there's a, a propaganda aspect as well. I'm not going to name any names, but some pretty prominent tailgating schools that I don't want to say they don't live up to the hype, but if you're saying we may have lost the game, but we never lose a party, you're just saying, yeah, our program isn't that good, but we like to go out and, and hang out and tailgate and, and party afterwards. So I'm sure most people know specifically who that who says that saying a lot, but there, there definitely is a propaganda aspect as well. I think as an OU fan, I constantly think that there's a lot of things OU could do better in terms of just the way they zone campus for game days where it will just create a, a better atmosphere. And we've talked about this, like you said, so much. And, and my, my stance is generally just <clears throat> if we consolidated things, not made them smaller, but just made things a little bit closer together and just the way you zone certain tailgate areas and stuff, we would have an atmosphere that if you came in as an outsider, you'd say, Oh my goodness. Yeah, this is, this is crazy. And I are, I would argue that OU's game day atmosphere, maybe not every time, but on several times out of the year rivals anywhere in the sec. And I think you'd be surprised with some of those sec schools as well. Uh, They have down weeks as well. So. Yeah. And I think, I think a big thing is there hasn't usually been a ton to get excited about, about um, OU home games. Sometimes you get a big one, like Ohio state was massive. It was incredible. Like the, the energy there felt completely different. Um, I think the same you could say for like our freshman year, for example, Tennessee, I feel like there was a bit of an energy there as well. And I, I think having that on a week to week basis where, you know, at least when it's new, when everything's like, on a honeymoon basis where we're having teams come in that we haven't seen. Um, I think that energy will translate to tailgating strength and atmosphere and all that. Um, yeah. Notre Dame, Notre Dame in 1982 uh, in mm-hmm. the comments. Absolutely. Right. That was a crazy, crazy day uh, of tailgating. We know how to put it on whenever it's big time, but if it's a, like even Kansas state, who's been a very, very good conference opponent, in the past couple of years, I don't think people get up for K State. I don't think people get up for can. Obviously, not for Kansas, but really, what Big Twelve teams do you get up for? Like, if it's an OU home game, like let's let's you can I'm, maybe Bedlam, but I don't think we even really respect Oklahoma State that much to get up for Bedlam in the way that they do. Um, and that's it. Like, maybe there'll be a random team that's good. But other than that, you know, in the newish Big 12, it's not been a lot to get excited about. Yeah, I think that argument's there. I I think to wrap it back to the SEC comparisons, I feel like I may have made this comparison before. Maybe it was in our group text. Maybe it was on the podcast. But I I think the best thing I am projecting, because I I can't compare – SEC teams coming to to Norma beyond that Tennessee game, like you mentioned, but in a regular season atmosphere, obviously I can't compare that. But I would expect most every game, maybe not in the first couple seasons, because I think there's going to be a really exciting newness, but I think I would expect a, a travel atmosphere and a tailgate atmosphere more in line with 
when Nebraska came to Norman recently. Uh, they traveled very well, as Nebraska does. They're, they they travel they travel well. They have a fan base that travels well. But I think that sort of atmosphere, maybe the fans are acting a little bit differently uh, than Nebraska fans did. Not to say that it's worse, but I think just a little differently. But I, I think that atmosphere uh, you could expect to be sort of the, the baseline because I think you're going to see that OU fans, I know there's a, a constant argument against OU fans and even OU's team that we don't really get up for a lot of games. And I, I don't think that's necessarily an unfair argument. Uh, there's definitely an argument to be had there. I don't necessarily know if we're unique in that way, like some people think we are. I think there's a lot of other schools that are supposedly, you know, the mecca of college football, and then they have like 4,000 people <laughs> in their community park because they don't have a stadium. So I, I don't necessarily know that our atmosphere is that bad, but I, I think you'll see that when it really, really matters to the other team, you know, it's hard to not care when when it really, really matters to the other side. Yeah, and I, I think one of the aspects about Nebraska being so good is they don't care if they're good or not. Like they they show up and they they try they they were like ready to get their ass kicked and they were still having a good time. They're still fired up. Um so there there is that. There is that. Yeah, that that Bama um nineteen eighty two is talking about uh, when Bama came to um uh, to OU. Yeah, they, they showed up early. That, that was the same case with Ohio State. They rolled in in mass uh, in 2016. Like, because, because you know, you we had that one parking lot. You know, we, we'd park at the LNC and take the little bus to, to class. And you know, that's, you, you're just kind of having to wade through all these, uh, <laughs> all these Ohio State fans kind of through all of it. But um, yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot more to discuss about it, a lot more exciting things uh down the pipe for sure um any other do we have any other news uh to talk about OU? i know uh, softball started and got off to a great start went five and oh um had a little bit of a scare against washington but other than that um look that's that's three ranked wins ty so i i think OU is off to a great start yeah that is a that is a great start. So I I don't know I haven't been following it, <laughs> obviously. But a five five and zero start, all ranked wins. Uh, it's hard to argue against that, especially in a sport that is as uh, as competitive as softball is, in the sense that there's a, a higher potential for upsets throughout the season than say football. Definitely, yeah, just a lot of games. So um, you know, took out. Took out uh, ranked Duke, uh, who had who has Sydney uh, Romero on staff, OU legend, uh, ran ruled uh, number seventeen slash fourteen Stanford, and then uh, narrowly took out the Washington Huskies as well. So uh, they got some stuff going on a little bit later. Um, they're playing in a tournament in Waco for some reason, and playing Army there. Uh, in addition to Stephen F. Austin, Longwood, and Baylor, so lots of stuff coming up coming down the pipe for. Uh, OU softball, lots of good stuff uh, that I'm definitely, definitely excited for. Uh, and as yep. 1982 said, visor off to Nicole May. She is awesome. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of the softball rundown. Uh, baseball's coming up. We're getting very close to that. Uh, trying to figure out a weekend for our 999 challenge. That'll be great. Uh, women's gym, keep, hey, keep rolling. Doing great. Um, same with the men's and women uh, are third, I believe in the national rankings. And I think 
that the men are currently the second ranked team in the nation. So obviously doing pretty well in those sports. Uh, OU's core sports, you know, the sports that we're actually good at, softball and then gymnastics, we are doing well. So hopefully one day plucky old OU will have a football team that is relevant nationally. But in our core sports, we're still strong. I mean, we're clearly just uh, we're we're a soft, we're a softball slash gym school, and it's been been that way for a cool minute. But um, yeah, so that is kind of that. Uh, OU OU women's basketball still rolling. Uh, OU men's basketball don't really know what to think of you. Uh, still not great, but I guess you beat Kansas State somehow. So uh, they have a big game against Texas uh, coming up this weekend. So um, well, I don't know. I do have a correction. I believe men's gymnastics is actually number one in the nation now. It sounds like uh, the rankings have yet to come out, but uh, just this past weekend, they were number two. They faced off in a meet against number one, Stanford, and we won. So I don't really necessarily know how rankings work in gymnastics, but it would be a crime if we were not now number one in the updated rankings after beating number one head to head and being number two. I mean, you would think so. Um, crazy stat out of that. OU men's gym has not lost a home game. has not a home match since like 2007. So that is a absolute dynasty going on there. But um, okay. That's kind of our news rundown. Um, still waiting on spring football to come out. A um, couple guys got scholarships. That's good stuff. But um, Ty, I think that's all we have for this episode. What do you uh, final thoughts on anything before we uh, sign off here? Nope. This was just sort of a wrapping up loose ends podcast because, as everyone knows, last week you know we released that one and then it just immediately got upended. So glad we could sort of wrap up some loose ends. And I think at this point in the off season, although it is rough for making content. We are at that point in the offseason where no news is good news. It would not be a good thing, I, I don't think. I can't think of any breaking headlines about OU football that would come out at sort of this point in the offseason that would be good news. So we're not hearing about, you know, so-and-so had some crazy injury or any sort of scandal or anything else. So that no news is good news at this point in the in the cycle that we're at. So I know it's dry content-wise, but thankfully we have these conference realignment storylines and whatnot to sort of keep us going but it is it's a blessing and a curse that we don't have any sort of big breaking OU football news yeah and I mean really if anything happened it'd be Fulmer Cup type of stuff and you obviously don't need want that to happen so um you know nothing you don't want anything going on with uh with with that so um yeah just kind of kind of waiting for this da- uh dang thing to start um Oh, Super Bowl. Duh. The Super Bowl happened. Shout out to Creed Humphrey, Orlando Brown uh, for winning their first Super Bowl rings. Then as well as, uh, you know, Blake Bell uh, getting his as well. Um, And then James Winchester. So very, very solid for those guys. Jalen Hurts, a hell of an effort, but um, just came up short. So. All right. Ty, I think you're muted, my guy. I, I was on mute. I was going to say that was unfortunate uh, for Jalen Hurts specifically, but I think not trying to start a debate or anything, but I, I think uh, Jalen Hurts was the best player in that Super Bowl. 
hands down. He played his heart out, and and I think hopefully he knows that. Hopefully he feels that he left it all out on the table. So, oh yeah, he he was he was completely dynamic for sure. So, all right, folks, that is the end of this episode of the Schooner Pod. We'll see you next week when we uh, scrounge up some more stuff to talk about. Off-season stuff out here, folks. But until that time, for me and Ty, hope you have a good one. Boomer Sooner, everybody. <laughs>